HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This week on Meat and 3, we're spotlighting the people who prepare our meat before it reaches our plates. We hear from whole animal butchers, the brains behind a meat vending machine, California cattle ranchers, and a master of charcuterie who isn't using meat at all. It's like a smoked and grilled uh, center stock of the broccoli, and then it gets uh, finished with some mustard barbecue sauce and sauerkraut. Ranching and farming being as difficult as it is, you know, it's just one thing after another. And at some point, you just give up. I had a wild idea that if I learned butchery, maybe I could start to be kind of a link in the supply chain. Listen to Meet and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Agave Road Trip. This episode is brought to you by Sombra Mezcal that has figured out a way to use direct fire to distill their spirits without having to use wood. If you want to know how, wait till the end of this episode. This is Lou Bank. This is Chava Perivan. And this is Agave Road Trip, the podcast that attempts to teach Gringo bartenders about agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. What about a UK bartenders, Lou? Screw the UK. What did they ever what? do for us? They they taxed my tea. Yeah, but they have amazing accents over there. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> you know, I actually, I've got a really, I'm, I'm going to take that back. This is also for UK bartenders. You know, but then, oh, God, this is like, I want to go in two directions. I've reached a fork in my road, Chava. I, I, I don't know if I want to, go and tell the story about my friends in the UK, or if I want to talk about the origins of the word gringo and who does it apply to and who does it not apply to? I think we can touch on that slowly while we're making other episodes or while we're making this episode. I don't know. What, like, I'll, I'll let you choose. You're a very imaginative uh Human. I'll, I'll let you choose. <laughs> okay. Let's, well, do you, do you know anything about the history of the word gringo? I've heard the lie, and I'm sure it's a lie. Yeah, I think we had this discussion in Durango. Uh, the lie, as far as I think you understand the lie is, is that we used to call the militaries, the United States military, green greens because they were dressed in green. And then we did not want it in our country when they did invasion and we will shout, green, go, as go outside, get out of my country. Right. And my contention, I believe, in that conversation was, if that's true, instead you'd be calling me a verde bam- vamonos. 
Vamanos Verde. Well, not really. Vamanos Verde. Not really, because we Mexicans are really good at adapt like, at playing at playing at, with English. That's why we call cantinas bars these days. I don't get the connection. <laughs> well, like we we have imported a lot of English into our everyday speaking habits. Okay, and you're saying that in essence that uh, that that was also the case back during the uh, the Spanish American War. I, I will think so. I think they would. They wanted. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I I think they wanted them to know. I, I think they wanted them to understand what they were saying. That's why they did not do verde vamos. No, verde fuera. I. I would think they would understand it from the things being pointed at them and thrown at them. And like, I, w- I would think that would communicate pretty well. well. We want it to be more specific. We want an absolute clarity. So a gringo, okay, that's really, okay. So a gringo is just literally somebody from the USA. Well, no, not really. Uh, that's what, that's what everybody will say. But when I was living in Oaxaca, people will call me gringo as well. And what it means, it's just not from here. <sighs> Okay, so the origins were the military from the USA. That's your suggestion, and I suggest that that's just another lie, but that's your suggestion. And then you're saying that it has morphed into anybody who's not from the place that you are in. Yeah, that's also güero. You know, like they use güero, which usually will be used to call the blonde person, you know, güero, blonde, but Uh they will call people as brown as myself güeros, because they're just trying to point you're not from here. So gringo güero, there's just ways of community saying mm, you're a strange kid roaming around us. Okay, so so then what we're <laughs> so then what we're saying is uh, when I say gringo bartenders and you correct me and say what about the UK? In fact, if I am understanding you, I'm I'm in the right here and you're wrong. You are in the right direction. That's correct. Yes. Oh, that took a long time to get around to finally something that I am right about. <laughs> so congratulations, congratulations, Lou. Thank you. You know, it's it's interesting. This is not at all what we were supposed to talk about, but this is this is really interesting to me because um there, there's so much going on in the UK around agave spirits. And and in fact, I would contend, I mean, the UK is no longer part of Europe or European Union, but it, you know, it, but it is it's part of Europe. But it's not part of Europe, but it's part of Europe. <laughs> um, but in fact, there's a guy over there, Axel. I always want to say Axel Rose because Guns N' Roses, and it's, that's not his last name. But there's this guy, Axel, um, who I would contend was the first guy to bring a wide selection of really amazing uh, agave spirits. And, and many of them are uncertified, uh, but a wide selection of really amazing agave spirits community-based agave spirits uh, uh, out of Mexico, right? I mean, obviously, Del Maguey absolutely, without question, started that march. Um, but this guy brought, like, Real Monero and Mezcaloteca into Germany back in, like, 2010. Yeah. Wow. And and you can look you can look at what how that's affected the entire European market, but in particular in the UK, you've got all of these entrepreneurs who have flown all the way over uh, to Mexico to build on it in, in, in what surprises me, in a fashion that surprises me. Well, I, I have no idea about this. I haven't been in Europe for some good six years, so I'm not in touch at all with what has been happening there. 
Yeah, they even have they've got their own mezcal week that they set up. Oof. There's this guy, there's this guy, Michael Sager, um, who started the real um th- this this amazing wine movement in the UK. I don't know how long ago, five, six, seven, eight years ago, he was the first guy uh, to say, hey, you know what? People really like expensive wine. Instead of just selling it by the bottle, we'll sell it by the glass. And that started a whole movement of wine bars opening over there. Mm. So Michael, one night I'm, I'm, sitting, uh, I'm sitting in a mezcaleria in Oaxaca. And I'm having a conversation with our friend Alejandro, right? The architect uh, who had worked at Sombra Mm -hmm. and my wife, Connie. The three of us are having a conversation and this guy comes over with a funny accent. He is a gringo, right? (laughs) Um, And he's got a funny accent that I can't quite place, but his English is great. (laughs) And and he says, hey, are you Lou Bank? Uh, Yes. I was told uh, that you could take me out to meet some mescaleros. (laughs) And- yeah, and so I thought, oh, cool. You know, when, like this this is not an unusual thing that happens to me when I'm in Oaxaca, where strangers will come up and ask me, hey, can you can you point me in the right direction, right? For your number, what are you doing tonight? Yeah. Those kind of questions. Yeah, not, hey, not like that. Connie was with me. I know, um, I know. We're, li- we're it, living liberal times. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Maybe you do. I don't. Um, <laughs> I'm part of Reddit, you know. So, um, so... He um, he starts engaging me and Connie in conversation and ignores Alejandro, the Mexican who's with us. And I'm getting a little suspicious of this guy. Like uh, maybe he's not a maybe he's not a good dude. Um, and uh, and 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 at the end of the night, we agreed that we would meet the next morning, and he'd come out with us to visit Santa Catarina Minas, and we'd introduce him to some mescaleros. Um, and and Connie was really upset with me as we were walking back to the Posada to the the bed and breakfast we stay in. She was really upset, and she's like she she said this to me before another incident. She said, "I, I think he's going to steal our organs." Like she's pretty sure, <laughs> and he, right? She gets very <laughs> suspicious of these people that they have malintent, right? Um, but but it turned out he's a great friend now. I'm not sure why he was so rude to Alejandro. He's a great friend now. Um, but he came out with us that day and he saved our asses because the person who was supposed to be our interpreter that day just never showed up. And he helped us interpret our way through a conversation where we found out we were, we were, um, we had purchased all of the gifts for the Trace Reyes celebration and we brought them out. Mm-hmm. That trick wisdom kings. Yeah. Los Reyes Magos, we called them. Yeah. Uh, say that again. Los Reyes Magos. Ah. Okay, I'll never be able to say that. So, um, I guess. <laughs> so we had asked the kids to send us letters, and it turned out the person who forwarded the letters didn't send all of them to us. Um, she decided to withhold some because she thought the ask was too big. But she didn't do the same to the other person who was purchasing gifts. So literally, there were like 12 kids in the town who had asked for bicycles. Six of them were going to get the bicycles because she had passed the letters along. The six that that were apparently meant for me that she didn't pass along were not going to. The only way we found that out through was Michael because Michael was with us. Yeah, um, so like he really did save our asses so that we didn't didn't break the hearts of these children. Right, <laughs> very important. Half of you get them, half of you don't. <laughs> yeah, um, but he also he does this very funny thing where whenever he visits Oaxaca, he will 
just bring like the ugliest, worst clothes that he has. And his intention is always, he just wears the clothes there. And then when he leaves, he has one set of clothes that he flies back and everything else just stays in Oaxaca so that he has more luggage space for alcohol. That's a pro tip right there. That is, <laughs> there you go. That is a pro tip. Bring ugly clothes that you don't care about and you leave them there. Yeah. That's pro tip number 17 for agave road If you trip. don't mind looking like a crazy person. But uh, what, 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 <laughs> but what were we going to speak about in this episode? Because I think we're going in very up great directions, but I think we should start engaging which our oh it's too late like we are so far gone on this episode so i think this episode is just what it is the, the what we had intended to talk about was how to drink mezcal right i i think what we should do um, is there something short that we can fit in because we've got like a little more than a minute left well i think what you were saying was really interesting thinking about the different scenes that agave spirits have been opening people don't know this but i spent a whole year going around asia uh, traveling through Tokyo, Seoul, Manila, Jakarta, and Manila. Oh, I love Manila with all my heart. But something that was very interesting to me while I was going around those places was to see if there was any trace of agave spirits in each one of these places. And not only agave Damn. spirits, I think like we're not only infatuated by agave, I think you and I really appreciate any kind of heritage. Yeah. Spirits and other things as well, but we do have an emphasis in spirits. Yeah, well yeah, I, like in particular for me it's like are they doing something in the same way they did them before the industrial era? Yes, and I think a lot of the charm of each city that I went to really came about when I was able to find things that had that characteristic that had the rural elements of Japan, of Korea, of the Philippines that just were not giving up. They were, were too pretty to die. And I <laughs> and I did find the agave spirits in Manila. They cost me more than the most expensive whiskey they had at the bar, but I was just longing so badly for it. In Shanghai, though. But they weren't locally made agave spirits. No, of course not. No, no it was Del Maguey. But in, in Shanghai, <laughs> there was a really amazing bar called El Pocho. El Pocho. El Pocho is basically a guy, it's, uh, it's, it's like a Chicano kind of person. And uh, that place is amazing. So if you guys go to Shanghai, I will most recommend you go there. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> Pro tip number two. <laughs> I think that's it. That's the episode. Just like the different okay. scenes. Well, let's, let's, let's wrap this one. Uh, let's say salute because like I poured my stuff well before we started this uh, and then let's get <laughs> on to the next episode and talk about how to drink mezcal. Let's do that. Adios, chavos. Okay. Salud. This episode of Agave Road Trip has been brought to you by Sombra Mezcal. Sombra is an artisanal 100% Espadina Agave Mezcal handcrafted in Oaxaca. Each step of their production, from fermentation to distillation, has been reimagined to reduce its environmental impact. One of those environmental impacts they've reduced is how much wood they use. Chava, tell me all about that. Well, you know, a lot of the appeal and the images we see when making mezcal has wood all over the place, right? It's an amazing picture. You take it, there's lots of smoke around, but it happens to be damaging both to the people that are working in the Palenque many times and to the environment itself. Mm -hmm. So in Sombra, what they decided was like, well, if I still want direct fire to distill my spirit because I'm interested in the artisanal aspect of it, 
how do I do it without damaging the forest around me? And the first step of the process, which is in which I was involved designing, was to shift to propane. And it was a system Did that- Did you say f- that was propane? You propane said propane. Gas. Yeah, yes, propane okay. gas. Sorry, uh, yeah. you know you know my accent. But then, <laughs> <laughs> but then the coolest part about this that not a lot of people know is that the system is designed to, in some years, shift to alternative energies. So this middle step right now is propane, but in some years, it might be absolutely 100% sustainable energies firing those steels. Oh, that is awesome. So if you want to try that awesome mezcal that comes from that awesome process, head over to sombramezcal.com and order a bottle to be delivered to you. Awesome. Hang on, road trippers. We're not done yet. We've got an episode of Chava and Lou's Chat Fest coming up. Welcome, road trippers, to Chavez and Luz Chat Fest. Did I see? Did I say it right this time, more or less? You did not. Uh, let me. Let, I'm going to take it from you. Okay, do it. Hey, road trippers, welcome to Chava and Luz Chat Fest, the podcast within a podcast that has nothing to do with agave, agave spirits, or rural Mexico. Except when it does. I will never be able to say such a thing. Like, like you are the presenter. We have established that before. But today, we're talking love stories. Love stories. I'm going to tell us love stories. I'm going to tell a love story, and then Lou is going to comply with his love story on the next episode. So uh, we were discussing, and I think the love story that I like the most, that I have a certain engagement with, it's my grandmother's love story. Oh. And, oh, uh, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, right, right, right. You, you started telling me this story and I made you stop because I thought we should record it. Yes. Yeah, other, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it all starts, I mean, I say this a lot, I think. I, I hope you guys are not tired of this. But I come from a very small town in Michoacan. It's called Perivan de Ramos, hence my last name. And probably when my grandmother was born or when she was in her 20s where this story happens, was like 1920 maybe. And... Uh, and there were probably like five hundred people. Whoa, 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 whoa! Your grandmother, so your your yeah. mother or your father's mother? My mother's mother. Your mother's mother was twenty years old in nineteen twenty. Maybe I don't know if I'm doing that's a hundred years but... ago. So she would be a hundred and twenty years old now. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, like my father was born in fifty one, and her mother was already your forty. Father was born in nineteen. In your wow. So your grandmother was 40 when she had, like all these, the, wait a minute, am I getting Mexican numbers now? Is this sort of like the, uh, the, the Tepestate was 40 years old? Maybe, maybe like, like actually I haven't done the math, so I'm sure this is wrong, but it was a crazy amount of time ago. Like, like let's say 1930s, 1940s and okay. my granddad, uh, from my mother's side, was the first generation of Mexicans that actually went to Chicago. He went to your neighborhood and he- Right, 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 right. This was what got me excited. Yes, that it made me stop. There's a, you've got a Chicago connection. Exactly. And my granddad went all the way up there. I think he was like 14 when he left, 13 years old. Oh my God. And he, he went there to build a railroad and he stayed there for a plenty long amount of time, I think until he was like 40 or something. And then he wrote a letter back to the little town where he was born, asking to be deli- this letter to be delivered to the priest, asking for a good lady to marry in the town. <laughs> and my grandmother's sister happened to work at the post office. She saw the letter, opened it, 
as she opened every letter that came to the town for her to inspect first. And she saw this and... Pur- she, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang- Sorry, you're going to have to slow down. I need details, otherwise it's not a chat fest. So... She would open every letter that came to the town? Well, I've told you a lot of stories about my mother's family. Every mo- every woman in my mother's family is fiery and feisty. So, yeah, she she was a good gossip. So this was not like a standard thing in Mexico. There was some censor. She just, all the mail came through her, so she would read it. There was no TV, Lou. She had to be entertained <laughs> somehow. <laughs> she was the she was the original soap opera, let's say. Uh, okay. Anyways, she opened this, pretended to be the priest, wrote back to my grandfather, saying like, yeah, there's this good lady. She's young. She's beautiful. You can find her in this house when you come by. And he gets the letter. Comes back wait, from the- wait, wait, wait. Sorry, another detail. Was you, so your your aunt was already married at this point. She didn't want. She didn't want him for him herself. Uh, maybe she was. So married. she wasn't married. She was single. She's trying to take care of her sister first. Uh, maybe I have no idea. Actually, that that part I'm not sure. Maybe she was married. Maybe she wasn't. Maybe she thought my grandmother was prettier than her. God knows. <laughs> but uh, anyways. So granddad comes down from Chicago to Mexico, goes find my grandmother, introduces himself, tells her that she, he wants to marry her. And what does my grandmother do? First first conversation. I believe so, yes. Or at least that's how my mother told me the story. And okay, okay. my grandmother gets terrified, escapes the house, escapes to Mexico City. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What a reaction, right? She just comes to Mexico City to hide with some family member. And my grandfather actually researches, comes to Mexico City trying to find her. They haven't spoken, huh? And how there, there far, was like, no... Well, hang on a second, too. Like, the, your town to Mexico City today is like five hours drive. No, today's like eight hours drive. Eight hours drive. So back then... Oof. Uh, my father... T- Tells horror stories about that. Oh Maybe like 16, 18 hours wow. in serious dirt roads. And, and how do you even research <laughs> that? Like, right? Like, how? It's, there's no internet. It's not like he was checking out her Instagram feed to see where she was hanging out. Nope. He just asked around, I guess. And finally, they, like, he talked to her. They dated, which... Absolutely crazy at the time, you know, like at the time it was like, you're going to marry this guy. That's it. That's where it ends. But my grandmother was, no, 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 no. I need to know if I like this guy. And uh, they did at the end. They married. They got 11 children. Uh, We have a large family. And my mother was the, (laughs) almost the youngest, the second youngest uh, daughter. And there you go. That's the love story. Maybe maybe your your grandmother also was a little bit psychic, and she ran away because she thought, I'm not having 11 children. <laughs> well, it's like, there's this story that my grandmother will buy boxes of beer, and every time she will open, she will drink a beer a day, and every time she opens her beer, we'll get all the children around her, and we'll tell them, this is what you make me do, and we'll drink her beer. <laughs> That's cool. Thank you for sharing that chat fest story with me, Chava. I am very much looking forward to asking you in a future chat fest what exactly your grandfather did for 26 years in Chicago. Uh, Railroads, but we'll talk about that later. (laughs) (laughs) Adios. Hasta pronto. 
This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lou Bank and Chava Peribán. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. Agave Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly. Eat responsibly too, and listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.